It's February 11th. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and it's my joy to be reading through the scriptures with you today. We are in the book of Exodus, chapter 32. This is the incident with the golden calf. I don't know if you've seen the headlines today from the Old Testament reading, but uh, it's quite sensational. Israeli leader missing on mountain, suspected dead. Another headline reads, Favorite Egyptian idol makes comeback in wilderness concert. Another reads, Moses disrupts festival with dramatic display for lawbreakers. Another headline, high-level mediation saves people from destruction. And here's another one, young Jewish leader Joshua appointed as assistant to Moses. So we're going to find out what happens when you choose gods of your own making in today's reading. Exodus chapter 32. Let's read. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf, and have worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, 
he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel to drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose, to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of the Lord. And that day about three thousand men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people, because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. Chapter 33 The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. The Tent of Meeting 
Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses turned again into the camp. His assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Chapters 32 and 34 form a parenthetical section in the book of Exodus, interrupting the revelation of the law that Moses was given on Mount Sinai. In these chapters, we learn what was happening at the base camp while Moses was on the summit for forty days. The people of Israel had experienced God's presence in an awe-inspiring worship service in which the Lord came down at Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people with thunder, lightning, smoke, earth tremors, and loud trumpet blasts. In Exodus 19, verses 16 to 20, After Moses had read the Book of the Covenant, the seventy elders were invited to come up on the mountain and celebrate a covenant meal in the Lord's presence with Moses and Aaron and his sons. To their delight, they saw the God of Israel standing on heavenly pavement in Exodus 24, verse 9, much like the vision that the Apostle John had on the island of Patmos in Revelation chapters 4, and uh, verse 6, and 15, verse 2. 
The Lord prepared a table for them in his presence. Despite their having experienced the Lord in such dramatic ways, their foolish hearts were soon forgetful, and with Moses' long absence, they turned to idolatry. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. The people were impatient for Moses to return. The delay causes them to lean on their own understanding. The one true God is no longer set before them. Instead of relating to the Lord as foremost in their hearts and minds, which was the first of the Ten Commandments, they see Moses as the man who had brought them up out of Egypt and were judging him as a failure. The disgruntled crowd gathered around Aaron and put the pressure on him, saying, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They preferred a God of their own making, one that they could see, touch, and control. Make us a God who can lead us where we want to go, when we want to go, and how we want to go. Idolatry is lifting other things up to the level of God. This is a violation of the first commandment, to have no other gods before you. Idolatry is a lowering of God to the level of other things. This is a violation of the second commandment. The violation of the first is to put a created thing in the place of God, and the second is to make God like a created thing. Instead of recognizing that God is God, and we are made in God's image, idolatry is when we say that we are God, and we make God after our image. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller claims that an idol is anything that is more important to you than God himself, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, or anything you seek to give you only what God can give. Idolatry is when we put the finite and limited in the place of the infinite and ultimate. In Moses' absence, the children of Israel returned to their old ways. The book of Joshua tells us that in Egypt, many of them had practiced idolatry, in Joshua 24, verse 14, and were still carrying these idols with them into the promised land. John Calvin rightly said that our hearts are idol-making factories. One of the principal gods of Egypt was named Apis, who was pictured in the form of a calf or an ox. The psalmist tells us about this low point in the history of God's people. Psalm 106, verse 19. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Aaron asked for the gold rings in the ears of their wives, sons, and daughters. He melted the gold and fashioned it with a graving tool into a golden calf. When Moses comes down from Mount Sinai to confront Aaron's disobedience, Aaron's account of his behavior is quite different. He says, I threw the gold into the fire, and out came this calf, in Exodus 32.24. Aaron sees the enthusiastic response of the people to the newly fashioned God, and he becomes a popular man. He builds an altar for sacrifices to be offered. The offerings were to speak exclusively of the total devotion of Christ to the Father, the burnt offering, and the purity of fellowship that we can have with God through the mediation of Jesus, our peace offering, and all this is now prostituted in the service of a self-styled idol. Aaron proclaims a feast day when there were to be no feast days, 
in the third or fourth month. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. In chapter 32, verse 6, this failure to keep their pledge of pure devotion did not go unnoticed by the Lord, who knows our every action of sitting down and rising up. In Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, the Lord knows what is going on in our hearts. He observes the idolatries that take place at the base camp in our lives. The Lord makes known His burning anger against the sin of His stiff-necked people. Moses once again intercedes for His people. Here Moses is a type of a more true and greater mediator, Jesus Christ. Moses pleads mercy on the basis of His covenant promise made with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Notice the appeal is on the basis of Jacob's new name, as the new man, Israel. This intercession is a picture of God forgiving for his own namesake. We see this as a developing pattern in Psalm 106, verse 7, verse 8, Psalm 25, verse 11, Isaiah 43, 25, and Isaiah 48, verses 9 to 11. In intercession, Moses puts himself on the line, like Paul interceding for the Jews in Romans 9, 3 but none other than Jesus Christ could be a substitute able to bear God's wrath on behalf of the guilty. Moses prays, But now, if you will, forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out of your book which you have written. The pattern of the tabernacle reminds us that sin must be dealt with. The Lord hears Moses' pleading and relents, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. He disciplines the Israelites but he does not consume them. When Moses goes down to the people at the base of the mountain to confront the people, he calls for people to declare their loyalty. Only the Levites at first identify with Moses and choose to worship the living God. They are asked to punish the unrepentant idolaters who have chosen to be led by their own passions in service of the golden calf. There is a contrast between Exodus chapter 32 and Acts chapter 2. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the law of the first covenant in Exodus chapter 32. The Holy Spirit descends from heaven to put the law of God in the hearts of believers in the new covenant. In Exodus 32:28, 3,000 people die. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 people come alive in Christ. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses meets with the Lord in the tabernacle. The pillar of cloud descends and stands at the entrance of the gate when Moses entered the tent. There the Lord calls Moses to resume his journey. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. In Exodus 33, verse 11. This is the first time that Joshua is mentioned as Moses' servant. Notice how Joshua's actions reveal where his heart was. May we abide in Christ with a resolve similar to that of Joshua, who would not depart from the tabernacle that bore the good news of fellowship with God in his presence. Now let's read from the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning with verse 69. Peter denies Jesus. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance 
another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself, and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Chapter 27 Jesus Delivered to Pilate When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Sadly, we see how Peter's claim of faithful unto death was proved to be a flimsy one. In this account, Peter finds himself denying Jesus publicly with an oath and then with cursing and swearing in Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75. The Sanhedrin condemned Jesus to death on the charge of blasphemy, but had no legal right to execute him. They would have to deliver Jesus to the Roman governor. Judas suddenly feels remorse for betraying innocent blood. He wants to return the thirty pieces of silver. He throws it into the sanctuary and then goes away to hang himself. The chief priests recognize that they cannot use blood money for a holy purpose, and instead they buy the potter's field for burying foreigners. The cemetery became known as the field of blood. When Jesus is brought before Pilate, he answers Pilate's question, Are you the king of the Jews? with, It is as you say. And now reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 33, verses 1 to 11. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. 
the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Verses 1 through 3 call us to worship, to sing for joy, to praise, to give thanks, and to do it with the skillful playing of musical instruments. Verses 4 to 5, we praise the Lord for his self-revelation in the scriptures. In verses 6 to 9, we praise the Lord for his sovereign power over all creation. In verses 10 to 11, we praise the Lord for the supremacy of his counsel over that of the nations. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart from generation to generation. So this truly is a song of praise from those who've been made right with God through faith in the gospel. And here is a quote from Charles Spurgeon, quote, To rejoice in temporal comforts is dangerous. To rejoice in self is foolish. To rejoice in sin is fatal. But to rejoice in God is heavenly. End quote. And now for today's reading in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 8, verses 33 to 36. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Proverbs 8.34 lists three ingredients for spiritual attentiveness. This is a healthy habit of daily discipleship. Number one, there's a hearing ear. Blessed is the man who listens to me. Do you have a habit of spending some quiet time with the Lord when you reflect on what God has said in his word? Do you incline your ear to hear his voice? What has the Lord spoken to your heart today through his word? The second thing we notice is a watchful eye watching daily at my gates. How have you seen the Lord at work today? And thirdly, an expectant heart, waiting at my doorposts. What are you trusting the Lord for today? Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. In James 4, verse 8, Go to his door and his gates. There you will hear, see, and wait with expectancy. All that he has promised, he will provide. Let's pray. Father, in today's readings, we have been reminded of the fickleness of the human heart. Our own hearts are prone to idolatry. We are made to worship, but that desire is too often directed to that which is unworthy. We are prone to overclaim our faithfulness, like the children of Israel at Sinai, or Peter on the eve before Christ's crucifixion. We pledge loyalty, but easily succumb to our baser instincts. Forgive us of our idolatries. We thank you for your relentless pursuit of our deliverance. We are grateful for your steadfast love, demonstrated in the redeeming work of your Son, our Lord and Savior. We look to him with fresh faith. We come to your word with hearing ears. We look for you with watchful eyes, and we wait on you with expectant hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. If you would like to get a written copy of 
the meditations on the, today's portions, you can go to our website, www.newlife.org. That's one word, newlife, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. And there you'll find some free resources. Also, we encourage you to pray for every country on the planet. And today we are praying for Albania. You can find info on that on pages 95 to 96 of the new edition of Operation World. God bless you.